Okay, it's week five, and I am fresh off a, a great road trip to see the CU-ASU game in Tempe. I was able to catch up with uh, longtime friends, some of whom traveled, some, to, some of whom were out there in the Phoenix area. Uh, but it was wonderful. Got some golf in. Uh, we were able to cross paths with some CU current players and past players, uh, some coaches, people from the media. So it, all in all, it was uh, a wonderful experience. So welcome everyone, I'm Trevor Monroe, and uh, today's episode, we're gonna uh, look at some of the key takeaways from, from that ASU loss. Uh, we'll look at uh, USC and uh, then wrap up by looking at some of the things I'll be looking forward to in this next game. Okay, so let's uh, see what we learned in this ASU game, some key uh, takeaways, just uh, trends that are continuing or uh, there were a few bright spots, but, but all in all, I think it was, um, you know, uh, still, uh, still the CU buffs are unable to find answers either scheme wise or otherwise in the passing game. And obviously Brennan Lewis is still, you know, in development phase. He's just not, uh, at the point where he can, uh, do some of the things he's being asked to do on the field right now, or take advantage of some of the schemes that the defensive side is, uh, is presenting him or some of the opportunities I should say. Um, but, but just to kind of put the performance in context, the, the buffs are still at the bottom in some of those key offensive statistics like points per drive, where, uh, we rank 129th out of 130 FBS teams yards per play. Uh, we rank 127th and yards per pass 129th. So that's, that's pretty poor. Uh, watching uh, Brennan Lewis in person, it did seem on occasion like he held on the ball, you know, split second too long. And his time to throw is somewhere in, in the three second range, which is better. I think he started at UNC the first game in the four second range, but that needs to also be faster. I think on average, most good quarterbacks are somewhere in the low twos. Uh, and of course, most of, uh, Bilou's passes are either, you know, from zero to 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage still, uh, despite given opportunities like single coverage and to kind of press the ball downfield. Now, um, it certainly is not, all be loose fault. His, his pass protection in particular is very poor. He was under pressure on something like 10 of his 22 attempts. Um, and for the most part, the, the offensive pass blocking ratings are in the poor range for most of the offensive line, especially, uh, at the tackle positions, uh, where a lot of the, the heat is coming from, uh, the lone bright spot. I, maybe there's a couple bright spots, but Kerry Kutch is the most consistent offensive lineman by grade by PFF professional pro football focus grade at this point. Um, and, and Colby Purcell is also, I think, uh, right behind him, but, uh, we just need to solidify and the, the offensive line, um, I guess rotation, uh, we'll see if we get Ma uh, Max Ray back next week. Um, but Frank Phillip, who, who did a great job last year. This was his second day game. He still does not seem to be uh, where he needs to be. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, Nate Lamon continued his quest for the Butkus Award. I think right now he leads all uh, FBS and solo tackles. Corners, as always, as usual, played great. 
And, you know, defense overall overall did a pretty good job against um, the run against ASU. Uh, I think some of the uh, the problems were in, in, in the late hits uh, and personal fouls, things like that, that extended some of those uh, ASU drives. And what I what I saw is that at least at key times in the game, the the you know, Jaden Daniels, the ASU quarterback, was able to get you know, the passing game going by hitting the running backs and a, a few a f- few shots to the tight ends uh, when they needed those passing yards. But all in all, they didn't, ASU did not um, dominate by any means on uh, passing or, or running. Uh, and I think, you know, the bottom line is just, they are, they are more talented and they have a lot of playmakers. They, they were able to get that ball in the hands of their playmakers uh, at key times where we weren't, um, Jaden Daniels, especially, I think he was six, six attempts or 73 on 73 yards on the ground. Um, and you know, I mentioned that most of the passing damage to me seemed like it was coming from the running backs, but in that the statistics, I think bear that out. So Rashad white, their, their speedy running back had five receptions for 70 yards uh, the tight end Curtis Hodges had had two um, catches, although it seemed like more. Maybe he was missed on a few. I think he may have dropped one too, but two for thirty eight. So he those catches came in uh, clutch times. So uh, yeah, I think the the bottom line is that um, you know we are a a young team. I think uh, our returning production is somewhere ranks in somewhere in the nineties in terms of all FBS football, all out of all 130 teams. And, um, we need to see, you know, I guess the, the, the signature of this coaching staff is that they, they're into teaching and they're into player development. Um, and they got their work cut out for them with probably the youngest quarterback room in all of college football. So we have four freshmen, even though Brennan Lewis has been on camp, you know, he, he had the COVID year last year. Um, but I believe he is the only one who's had college football snaps. The rest, uh, like Drew Carter is a true, true freshman as is, uh, Jordan Wolverton and James Mott, who they picked up just after camp. Uh, he was, I believe at a few schools, but he's yet to play. And, uh, one of the schools he was at last year did not play football. So, um, so it's a young room, uh, and that's probably the biggest constraint right now is just getting, uh, figuring out some ways to get the ball moving, uh, and get the quarterback moving, being able to get, you know, wide receivers and other parts of the, uh, the offense into the, into the, the game. Um, having said that the running, the running game for CU was actually pretty good. Alex Fontenot had a good game. Uh, Jared Broussard had a few, you know, good, few good drives. Uh, so they were able to run the ball, at least statistically. I think they had over 200, I can't remember, 200 yards uh, running. And that, keep in mind, that's against a very stacked uh, defense that's really um, poised to stop the run at all at all costs. So, so that's it for... Um, for the recap, let's let's take a look uh, at USC this week's opponent. So this week, uh, USC comes to Boulder, and they come here 
with an interim coach, Dante Williams, who took over for Clay Helton. I believe this is this will be his third game. They beat Washington State and they dropped uh, to Oregon State last week. So as always, you know, um, USC is loaded with talent. Uh, their roster strength is rated number 12 in all of college football. Um, when I look at their pro football focus, you know, grades, they're still pretty good across the board at every, you know, dimension offensively and defensively, although their run defense was, was very poor last week against OSU, uh, their quarterback, Coden Kidon Slovis, um, obviously had a great freshman year kind of regressed last year and seems to be uh, slipping still he was actually uh, injured and and looked like for a minute there one of uh, the freshman phenoms at usc was was poised to take over the starting quarterback role uh, that didn't happen because that i believe that quarterback was injured and i think it may have happened in in practice after the washington state game which he won so uh so keaton slovis was was back um last week and he'll be the starter this week they they do have uh they're you know known for having weapons at all the po skill positions especially um and london is one of their uh one of their star receivers ford and i think his name's kylie ford is another uh receiver to to watch although he's been out of action but he was expected to suit up he may i think he did suit up last week i'm not sure uh he wasn't, didn't seem to be much of a factor, but they do have talent. Uh, even Katie Nixon, our uh, former wide receiver and leader, charismatic leader here at uh, Colorado, uh, he transferred to USC in the offseason. So he'll return to Folsom uh, playing on the other side. Um, but the, the, you know, if there's the biggest weak, weakness that I think CU needs to exploit is that U USC defense, which, um, which was not able to to stop uh, the running attack of uh, Oregon State last week. Um, so that's that's basically uh, more or less what I know about about USC. Uh, oh, one more thing. I don't think since US since Colorado's joined the Pac-12, they they have not beat USC, and I'm pretty sure they've they have never beaten uh, USC in history. So let's see uh, what happens this week. Okay, so let's get into some of the things uh, I will be looking to see the Buffs do in this next game, and I guess uh, some things from here on out. Before I get into that, there were a few uh, defensive linemen that entered the transfer portal uh, just this week. So Blaine Toll, he was a four-star transfer from Arkansas, so he's back into the portal. He'll have to sit out a year um, before he plays again. And then Lloyd Murray Jr., uh, who is a defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman from Texas, he's also uh, looking to move on. So, um, so a couple of things, I guess, just uh, to build on that, I guess, okay, decent running performance we had last week. Uh, Alex Fontenot had had some gains, good gains. So Jacob Broussard. Uh, so our run game. Uh, the guys up front, you know, we're able to to uh, move the ball on the ground against a pretty good ASU team. I think it's probably a defense that's uh, a bit better than we'll see from USC. So build on that and let's 
maybe see uh, some designed runs for uh, Brendan Lewis as well. Second thing, uh, looking forward to see how we match up with USC's passing game. Uh, USC is, you know, they were, I'm not so sure it's still the case, but they were kind of this air raid offense under the coordinator Graham. Um, under this new regime, I'm not so sure that's the direction they'll still, you know, be pursuing, but they are a strong passing team and their running game has not been as strong this year. So buffs match up well, in my opinion, we have, you know, great, three great corners, three good corners and two really, really good corners, maybe three. Uh, but Blackman and Gonzalez are next level and Nigel Bethel has been having a nice season too. So uh, look, looking to, to see if we can still keep the streak, you know, to shut down USC's receivers. Um, USC is stacked at the, at the skill positions, certainly. Um, but so far it's only London. that's really made an impact on paper. They may also get, you know, Kyle Ford back this week. Uh, but beyond that, I'd like to see us, you know, contain the, the underneath game for those tight ends from getting loose, the, the running backs, uh, you know, the screens and the wheel routes, et cetera, uh, which have been kind of just killing us softly in the last couple of games. Uh, here's a big one. Uh, the return of King Mustafa Johnson. He's the defensive lineman. Uh, he's a leader on the team. He's the best defensive lineman. So hopefully he, he's up to speed and up for this game, but great to get him back. Uh, he's, I think it's a natural kind of gap shooter type of defensive lineman. And that plays well to the, uh, the scheme that, uh, I think Chris Wilson kind of defaults to, which is a, a one gap. So uh, he should add add some juice to that. Um, yeah, as far as you know, the quarterback play. Um, I guess you know we have we got nowhere to go. I guess we could just keep you know keep dwelling at the bottom, but hopefully things uh, start moving up. There were a few bright spots, a few good throws from Bilu. Uh, let's see if we can you know just try to get the ball out of his hands a bit quicker. There are some plays to be made. And I'd like to see him make those types of plays. I like to make him, you know, pay for single price coverage. I remember, you know, after the the buff game, the next day I'm watching Aaron Rodgers team up with Adams, Devontae Adams. And it's just amazing when they get those, you know, single coverage, the the job the receiver does to get open, to get space and how quickly uh, Aaron Rodgers can exploit that. Well, we're a long way from that, but uh, I'd like to see us at least once or twice uh, make them pay up price for some of those corner blitzes and other things that they've been doing to stop the run. Um, and just in general, uh, I'd like to see this, you know, development continue. I think Carl Durrell, uh, talks about, you know, he's been there before. Um, and as I, I think I mentioned up front, you know, the, the quarterback position is most likely the youngest room in all FBS football. And we're really also pretty young uh, at wide receiver at this point too, with with Vontae Chenault also out. Um, so when he says he's been there before, one one I guess memory that I have was in the nineteen ninety five season. That season was the first that Rick Neuheisel took over for Bill McCartney. That program went ten ten and two, uh, but they they began by kind of rewriting the record books with, with Coy Detmer. Um, and then he went down, uh, Brad Hessler came in, uh, and he had a lot of success early. So 
beat Texas A&M. I think he's threw for seven touchdowns, was tied to school records at the time, probably still holds, against Oklahoma. But then something happened. Uh, we played Kansas, and the Kansas defensive coordinator was Mike Hankowitz. Well, he was the former defensive coordinator for the Buffs, and he didn't get the job, the head coaching job. Rick Neuheisel got it. He moves on to Kansas. Well, he kind of has some inside information, and he did not respect the CU passing game nor Hessler. Uh, so he really packed the box, played you know zero coverage, one safety back, and they beat Kansas beat uh, CU. And that, even though you know it's a different circumstance, that was a different team. CU really did had trouble passing the ball. Uh, for example, they beat. They scored 50 points against Iowa State, but they only had 100-something passing yards, so they found different ways to do it. But I do remember vividly just thinking how uh, difficult it was when those defenses were playing um, the buffs like they were, stacking the box and forcing us to beat us with the pass, and we couldn't do it, how frustrating that was. So um, I think that's uh, one thing that I can maybe imagine that, Carl Durrell's thinking of when they, they say they've been there before. I hope they come up with something. We keep saying something uh, needs to be, you know, some creative schemes and things like that. But they, I was listening to uh, Clemson offensive coordinator. I read a quote by him. He said, you know, you guys want us to do these crazy, you know, these, these creative schemes and we can't even get the basics right now. So um, it does give me some, I guess, solace or comfort that Clemson, which is a program on a whole nother level, uh, you know, with their championships and their run that they've been having the last decade or so, uh, they're also experiencing uh, some severe problems on offense. They aren't much better than we are, believe it or not, with all their, you know, four and five stars that, that are uh, up and down their one and two deep. So, so yeah, I just really do want to see uh, development. Uh, that is the MO of this program, right? E- even in the worst, um, you know, post-game press conferences, uh, Carl Durrell is still talking about how they're trying to teach, how they're trying to get things across and trying different styles to make sure that the players are getting it. So I do respect that. And I do think uh, the worst thing that we can do is throw, you know, coaches under the bus or players under the bus and, um, and maybe, you know, make drastic changes uh, too early. I'm not, I'm not sure when those changes should come, if we can continue to do this, but certainly, uh, you know, I'd like to see a different plot. Took Bill McCartney a while to build this program to what it was way back in the day. We've had what three, three different coaches in the last four years. So um, let's give let's give development a chance. Um, in other news, uh, glad to see Westbrook, Michael Westbrook, the former uh, standout wide receiver. Um, will be honored and be inducted into the Buffs Hall of Fame this this weekend. Uh, Michael was just a, a force. Of course, he'd probably be most remembered for that Miracle in Michigan catch. Um, but I tell you, he was also um, a real presence on special teams with his blocking. He even got in at safety a few times, but he's a ball hawk. Um, and uh, certainly one of my favorite all-time buffs. So congrats to Michael Westbrook. Okay, I think that's uh, all I have for this week. Um, Probably a must-win for the buffs, but if they do get uh, this win and get some momentum, who knows? You know, you keep keep moving forward, and 
you know, it's, I don't think one win, a one loss is going to win, you know, count us out for the PAC 12 championship. There could, there could, this could be a season where, you know, uh, one or even two losses, uh, puts you up there. So let's keep hope alive. Um, you can follow me at, on Twitter at Trevmon28. Uh, I also have a, a newsletter on Get Review. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and until next time, hey, stay, stay safe, uh, stay positive. Uh, hope to see the Buffs uh, represent this weekend, beat USC for the first time. <laughs> One can hope. All right, that's it for me.